Hello and welcome to Dusty's Hideaway. Dusty's Hideaway. I'm Dusty Limits and this is my podcast because that's what the world was crying out for really, wasn't it? Another fucking podcast. In this show, I will be interviewing some wonderful artists and asking them about their work, the things that inspire them, and surprising things about which they are passionate. This podcast, as always, is dedicated to Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley! Who inspired it? Today, my guest is a fabulous singer and interpreter of songs. She doesn't just have a sensational voice, she digs deeply into the lyric and the emotion. And she has that wonderful gift of taking a song and making it her own. She's also a dog lover, and that makes me adore her even more. Please welcome the gorgeous Barb Junger. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Barb. How are you? Hello, I'm really, really well. And you see that I love a radio voice. A radio voice is a very fine thing. You know, whoa, radio, that was a great radio voice you got right there. That is, you're cooking a radio voice. That is fabulous. My radio voice is like that. I'm much more, you know, I, I sound my, all my consonants and everything. Whereas like in real life, I talk like this. And in real life, I have a whole mix going on of a, bit Stockport, a bit Rochdale, a bit Northern, a bit London, and a bit just yourself. That must be terribly confusing for American listeners. <laughs> no, they love it. They do love it. They do love it, they do. They do love it, they do. <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot to say is... is don't use accents. <laughs> uh, no, 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 is, is that... I will laugh at what you're saying, but I'm going to have to do it very softly because if the laugh is audible to the microphone, then it cuts out your vocal. Ah. So, so I'll, I'll laugh, laugh with like... my face, but I won't laugh with my actual or, mouth. Or you could laugh like Muttley. Do you remember Muttley? <laughs> <laughs> like Muttley. You could laugh like Muttley. I loved that Muttley. Muttley was great. Why is Muttley not on the television? I kind of think that what we really don't need is any of these, the masked singer, the voice, any of these, dancing on ice, dancing on roller skates, dancing on your fucking staircase, dancing up your own attic, none of these. All we need is Muttley. Let's have Muttley. Dancing up your own attic sounds quite suggestive to me. <laughs> Dance up your own attic. I've been doing it for 12 months. Leave me alone. <laughs> So I'm going to get this out of the way because, you know, I am going to fanboy a little bit. And I want to tell you a story, and I'm not sure if this will make the final edit. So when I was obsessed with Sticky Moments with Julian Clary, and my mother could see my obsession, and I think my mother was engaging with the possibility I might be a massive homosexual, because she was reading the room. She's, she's not a stupid woman. She's an incredibly intelligent woman. But I think she was also, as a Catholic a little bit reluctant to embrace the concept. And her way of conveying understanding and acceptance was to say, well, that Barb, she has a lovely voice. I think she called you a lass as well. That lass has a lovely voice. Oh, that's so nice. That's lovely. But you do have an extraordinary voice. Like, I'm a vocalist myself, but you, you have this glorious tone and vibrato and it's so emotional and so moving and so so powerful and I've seen you perform I used to go and see you at the the vortex in Stoke Newington Church Street and just be blown away by what you could do with a song 
you know what's very weird? Because I haven't been able to do what I've done for my entire life for now uh, a year. I mean, I did two shows in Dilly Keen very kindly invited me in um, September. So I did two shows, two shows in a year. And, and so I've sort of forgotten that I do any of it. I sort of think, you know, whenever when I'm talking to Nate and Nate goes, well, do you want to do that gig? I think, gig, what is it? What is it? What will I have to do? And then I think, oh, that's what those are. Those are lyrics in a in a cupboard. Oh, what did I do with those? Oh, it's like that. And I look at my makeup and I look at my stage clothes and I think, what are these for? I'm like somebody who's got sort of qualified amnesia. So, so it's really lovely of you to say that. But I don't actually even know what I do anymore. Isn't that funny? I, I did a gig, we were discussing earlier, I did a gig on Friday night, which was a live stream, and I had an allergic reaction to my makeup, but I think I, there was a combination of factors, but I think it was just, I haven't had makeup on my face for so long that my face has gone, no, sorry, no, no, there's no reason for this, this is unnatural. But, Dustlicious, let me tell you something. Tilda Swinton, no makeup. That's the future. The future is Tilda Swinton. That's where I'm going, Tilda Swinton. Well, the future has always been Tilda Swinton. It's just the world hasn't recognised that. Yes, but in the makeup department, <laughs> that is so the future. That is so the future. So before we get on to your secret love, and for the listeners at home who might not be familiar with you and your work, in which case I pity them, they've been living in a cave, obviously. <laughs> I have some pro forma questions for you. Are you ready, Barb Young? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I couldn't be more ready. OK, I call these my constant craving questions based on the KD Lang song, just because I'm madly in love with KD Lang. How would you describe your artistic work in one sentence? with lots of adjectives and adverbs. It's wonderful to find beautiful songs by gloriously brilliant writers and then muck them about, muck them about, roll about with them in the hay, roll about with them and just dance with them and embrace them and drink wine with them and throw them around inside your own body. That's what I do. Were you... there any adverbs in that? I, 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 I'm not sure if there were too many adverbs, but the adjectives were lovely. I th that, was, that was the best answer to that question I've ever had. That was... And, 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 but also, you know, again, not to fanboy, but that is an absolutely accurate description of what you do. You take these wonderful works, you make them entirely your own. You do roll in the hay with them, possibly with a bottle of red wine. What do you think people think you're best known for? Um, that's a really interesting question. I think the Bob Dylan work, actually. I think I'm best known for singing Bob Dylan's songs. And I don't mind that in any way, um, because uh, Bob Dylan is, I think, the Shakespeare of our time. Uh, and I, do, I don't, I mean, I'm working on some new ones at the moment and I, I start working on them and I go, how do you do this? How do you how do you do this? How do you write this way? Um, I just uh, I love them so much. So honestly, that's a really fine by me. That brings me to my next question. How did you get into this line of work? 
Was there some kind of early formative inspiring experience or was it more of a gradual slide into addiction? And in that case, what was the gateway drug? Whoa. Okay. So, um, yeah, I started, I, I can't remember ever, ever have, I mean, I sort of envy people like Madonna who go, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it this way. And, and I just love that. But years and years and years ago, I heard this woman and she was being interviewed and she had a chicken farm on the Outer Hebrides. Um, and her chickens just sort of ran around the beach and stuff. And she said that she had never said no to anything, that whenever people asked her to do something, she said yes. And so she'd had this extraordinary life. And I think that that's what I did. Um, I started off with having some ideas of things. Like any time I try and do something because I have an idea that that's what I want to do, it's it doesn't really work in terms of work, right? So I just kind of mull along really and I spent an awful lot of time this is true just looking out a windows I mean there was a whole period when I was married to Dan Bowling um that's Frank Bowling's son now now the incredibly famous Frank Bowling was then just Frank Bowling but I used to just sit and look out the window stoned I can't make it any clearer than that stoned and we used to listen to music stoned and we used to listen to Dub, stoned. And we used to listen to David Bowie, stoned. And we used to go to the pictures, stoned. I mean, I, I, I was, I had a great, I had a great growing up life where I just didn't really do anything, which is, I think, why I thought I ought to work hard later on. Because I'd sort of, it's the opposite of what people do now, where people work really, 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 really hard. They're all terribly dedicated I mean young people are so full of like work and plans and dedication I don't know I just sort of slopped through until I realized that I ought to do some work otherwise I would die in penury in a bucket the most extraordinary voice I'm not blowing smoke up your ass no and I I know and and it's going to sound as though I'm being evasive but I'm not I don't think I have you see because I I know about technique and teaching and all that stuff because I've done it And so I think that my instrument is tricky. What I do think I have is something that is, um, what's the word, identifiable. You You can hear it and you know it. And that's what I do have. But like breath and control and all that stuff, Oh, I wish I had it. I mean, I teach I teach a fair amount. And some of the people that come and some of the people I work with, I think, God, I envy your instrument. I envy that clarity of tone. I, it's just extraordinary that, 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 you know, how you feel about what you do. So I sort of, I think I try to not think about it so that I can just do it. Do you know what I mean? I don't oh. know if any of this is making any sense. But I just increasingly, and I mean, I've been talking about this a lot at the weekend when, I, when I've been teaching, uh, and, and it's something that, that Dylan did as well. But my entire thesis now at this point in my life is do less to achieve more. We have to get onto your secret love. So next, trivial questions, but I like them. I think they're often very revealing. What is your star sign? And does that mean anything to you or is it just a load of old nonsense? Oh, no. 
No, because don't forget, I was an eco-feminist warrior in the 1990s. I used to go out and decorate trees on May Day. I used to be beside fires on, and celebrate the art of smithcraft. No, trust me here. I, I, I'm, I'm well into it, well into it. And at the same time, I have an utter disregard for it. However, I am a Taurus. I have a lot of Gemini in my sign. And I'm a Taurus. I've got hardly any water, so I've always lived near water. I've always lived near a river, or and I can see the sea. I have to have water nearby. And I love the earth, and I love trees, and I love mountains, and I love the wind, and I love striding out. Yeah, I love that. And I believe that that nature is alive and much more important than anything and that Wordsworth was right, and that if you want to be close to the spirit of anything, then go out and stand near nature, hug a tree, go do it. Now, Patronus, do you have a Patronus? We're not really doing J.K. Rowling, it's, um, but it's your, like, so a, 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 a creature in God's creation that particularly you relate to, that you feel oh, is your spirituality. Right. Well, I just never read any of the Hobbit books, so it's it's not <laughs> a thing. Um, so I didn't know what that was. Oh, great. Okie dokie. Yes. Yes. Eagle. Oh. Golden Eagle are my, oh my God, Golden Eagle. Um, uh, Golden Eagle. Oh. I've seen them, oh, and I have to say, seeing a snake in the wild is the most amazing, I love them. So golden eagle and snakes. Uh, well, I grew up in Australia, so when you see a snake, you run. You run yeah. as fast as you can, because they will kill you. What do you make of this headline from today's news via the BBC website? Hungarian castle lit to celebrate Welsh patron saint. I should point out it's St David's Day today. What are your thoughts? Well, I've just got a dog from Hungary. Her name is Bambi. I can't show you to her because she's currently in a love fest with my mother. My mother sits with Bambi on her knee and talks to Bambi. And Bambi just lies there and is stroked. And my mother says things like, oh, his trousers, his trousers are falling down. Those bricks are dangerous. That He's going to drop that on his foot. That's what happens. That's what's going on downstairs. So I can't show you Bambi, but Bambi's from Hungary. So I totally get that they want to light up a castle because they are just giving the world the best dogs ever. The, the truth is that there is some kind of a twin town relationship between a town in Hungary and a town in Wales. And they have celebrated uh, St. David's Day by lighting up a castle. But no one can actually go and see it because they can't gather in groups. So they've literally lit up a castle with no one to, to watch it apart from on the television. And I think there's something incredible. That's brilliant. That's moving. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It's... Yeah. It's, yeah. and See, that's that's the point, though, isn't it, Dusty? That's the whole point. The point is not doing it because people can see it, but doing it because it's a beautiful thing to do. That's just great. I now feel like we know enough about you as the superstar singer that I absolutely adore, and your self-deprecation does not wash with me. I'm, I've got no time for that. But it means it's time for your secret love. Secret love. 
In this segment, we discuss something you're passionate about that isn't to do with your work and that might surprise people. If you do reference your work, uh, I shall ring a bell, by which I mean I will tap a pencil against a wine glass. Okay. So, what is your secret love? I love the Isle of Skye. I love the Isle of Skye so much that I want to just put it in my pocket and walk around with it all the time. The Isle of Skye is the most beautiful place anywhere. And I really, I just, I mean, I'm sure there are other places that are gorgeous to people. But to me, when you start to see the Isle of Skye, when you start to see the Coolin Mountains as you're driving along this fantastic road towards Skye and you see it um, and you, I, you, it's, it's like, it's, it's just the most extraordinary thing. And I've walked there and I've seen Golden Eagle there. I have seen a Black Adder there, the Fairy Pools. I have seen killer whale there i have seen basking shark there i have seen dolphins there beautiful Uh, the next question which is hilarious is rate your obsession from one to seven one is mildly curious for example my interest in professional football and seven is dangerously obsessed to the point it might consume your life and i think the question has already been answered because we've got a strong seven here bob such a seven I mean, honestly, such a seven. If I could have found a way of living there, I would. But, you know, that's just impossible because it's so far away. (laughs) I can't tell you how much I love it. You know, I have Scottish ancestry. My dad's from Scotland. And the Highland landscape takes my breath away every single time and and makes me feel like I've come home. Yeah, yeah. And, And it is a place, the Isle of Skye, is mythologically an island where warriors go to die. Well, I'm no warrior. I'm a warrior, but I'm not a warrior. Well, well, you never know. I think you are, actually. I think you're more of a warrior. See, now you're being self-deprecating. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Ooh, you. Someone I turned the tables. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. There's, I mean, there, there are places up there that I took my mum about maybe three years ago. And it was June and we drove up. And I'd gotten us this little sort of Airbnb place. And then I got us um, a a reservation at the Three Chimneys, um, which I booked months before because it's so hard to get them. And I took my mum for a tasting menu, which she'd never done in her life. And she absolutely had a ball. She loved it. And then when we finished and it was about 10 and it was May, so the light was the, the sun, the sun hadn't gone down. And I said, come on, we'll drive up to Neast Point, which is where I took one of my African masks once and balanced it on a stone looking out to the outer islands so that a bit of me would always be there. And it was a mask I'd gotten in Malawi. So it was very precious to me. And I thought that'll be a connection always with that view. And so we drove up and it's really difficult because all the roads are all single track and little bendy wendy. And there are all these people driving there. And I said to my mum, what's going on? So we parked up. There's all these cars parking. I said, what are you all doing? And somebody said, we're all here to watch the sunset. People had come for miles. And it was the most extraordinary thing. You're in the middle of nowhere on the edge of a bog on the edge of a cliff and there were people walking across the bog to watch the sunset over the sea from this point 
and there was this Indian family uh, and they were just, they were beautiful. And there was a woman carrying her children. And then there were some small kids and they were all wearing saris and they had their, you know, like lovely sandals on walking across the bog. And I thought, I just think people are amazing. It, just, it was one of those things where you go, we're amazing. I never forget how amazing, you know, when you're watching politicians and you think that we're scum and we don't deserve this world. And then something like that happens and you go, we're amazing. People can be amazing. That, that's the Isle of Sky for me, is that moments like that happen. I've got more. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And I think... I think reconnecting with the earth is a thing we can all do. And in fact, we absolutely have to do as a species just so we continue as a species. And we need to find those moments and we need to absolutely embrace them because otherwise we are royally fucked. And I can say that because it's my podcast and I can say fucked if I like. Yeah, I've never been there. It, I've, I've been to the Highlands several times, but I've never been to Sky. Okay, so I'm going to, I won't ding the glass, but at some point I'm going to ask you to sing a few bars of the Sky Boat song, if you know it. Yeah. Speed bunny boat like a bird on the wing, on with the sailor's cry. Carry the lad who's born to be king over the sea to sky. And I just had an eargasm. <laughs> when was the first time you went there? Dan and I, um, when we were when we were married, we we decided that we would go to. I think first of all, we went to the Lake District, and then we bought walking boots. It was kind of like really slow, and then we went to the Isle of Skye, and then we really then I started buying ordnance survey maps, <laughs> and then. We, and then we just kept going back there and doing these big walks and, and, you know, and I had binoculars and, you know, before I knew it, there I was, you know, with all this pattern and a walking jacket, which I've still got downstairs. I mean, I, I just, yeah, uh, it was life changing for me discovering that you could do those things. I think I, I mean, I didn't grow up in a house where we did those things. We loved landscape and we did walk. But I, I didn't do those. We didn't do those things. But see, I grew up on the edge of the Pennines. I grew up right on the edge of the Pennines. I grew up in Rochdale. So I was naught to seven. I was in Rochdale, right on the edge of the Pennines. And so I've always loved beaten, wild places. I, I love them. There's, a, there's a, a fundamental human need, I think, for greenery and that kind of luxuriance that goes with it. Even if it's just the, the, the moors and it's just the heather. Oh no, not there's no just the moors. The moors are the moors are just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But see, I feel that way about deserts as well. I mean, I felt I felt so thrilled when I went to the deserts in America with my friend Beata. She took me to stay. In fact, he recently died with a Navajo medicine man and his family. She said, if you want to go to see how the Native Americans live, um, she said, So if you want to go, you have to take off a month and I'll take you. And so I did. I took off for months and she took me in midsummer. We went and we saw storms over the desert and I watched tumbleweed and it was it was life changing. I like that kind of like Australia. I, I think Australia, the three sisters, you know, oh, my God, the Blue Mountains. When the Blue Mountains are on fire, it it physically hurts me. 
you know, when the when the fires rage through the black, it physically hurts me because I love it. And I walked in the Blue Mountains with Jen. I said, we've got to take an extra day and stay there, Jen, so that we can walk. And we walked along the forest floor. We saw a lyrebird. We went down super early in the morning because that's when you can see them. And we saw one. It was so brilliant. I think if I hadn't done what I do, I would have liked to be a forest person, a person that does things in a forest, you know, like you count trees or things that you do in a forest. I would like that forest person. You're very pagan, Bob, and I mean the highest praise that I can give. It's time for the pagans to assert themselves and say enough is enough because we are killing the planet. Yeah. And, and And even if... It's purely because of uh, self-protective instincts we need to change the way we behave. We can do with a lot less. We we don't need all the crap we've got. I, I do not need all the plastic that's in my house at the moment. Uh, I can I can genuinely live without all this crap. Uh, what I can't live without is clean air, clean water and, yeah, protecting the earth. I know, I know, and that's what's that's what's been so lovely about. I mean, I've got a garden now, which I and I, I mean, my mum had a garden, and I grew up with with. Well, I didn't actually, because where I was when I grew up, it was like Coronation Street. It was little terraced houses, which are now called cottages. Um, and we didn't have a bathroom inside the house. We had to go and use the. I mean, it, it, my parents were really poor when they came over, and and my dad was refugee, so it was really, uh, you know like a, a, a sort of different kind of a beginning and then when we had a garden then I start plant my own things and then of course I left home and always lived in flats and and so suddenly having a garden it's like being set free yeah yeah it could reconnect you yeah 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 I, I have a friend who bought a very posh flat in um well it was not that posh at the time but it, it's turned out to be very posh hey property investment in London um a posh flat in Kennington and he had an outside lavvy which was just the weirdest thing to have like in the 21st century that was just like a very strange thing when we lived in Fulham we had one that was outside and it was on this lovely fire escape and I grew um, midnight glory all the way up the fire escape and and uh, petunias so that when you went to the loo it was a kind of real experience it was wonderful I really rather liked it the thing with, again, growing up in Australia is that you go to an outside lavvy and you expect to be bitten by a spider that's going to kill you. Or see a snake. <laughs> I don't I don't mind snakes. I actually love them. I love that they're, they're incredibly beautiful. They're so efficient. The way they move, the way they function as organisms is so extraordinarily efficient. It's really exciting to me. Um, and I've never had a phobia about I think it's called a phidiophobia. I, I've never had that phobia. Uh, can we just go back to the Isle of Skye for a second? Yeah. Can, can you tell me your favourite Isle of Skye memory? Okay, yes, I can. Okay, this is my favourite. Oh, no, no, I've got more than one. I mean, this... up, to, up to three, but no more. Let's All right. See. So here's one, which is that I was driving up there after doing something in Edinburgh for um, Institute of Ideas. And I picked up two hitchhikers and because they were young women and they didn't look as though they were psychopaths and they turned out to be Czech. And of course, my dad was Czech. So we we drove to the Isle of Sky and then they stayed in the campsite near where my hotel was. And they said, you want to come with us tomorrow? We're going to do this particular walk. And I said, I can't do that walk because there's a thing called the bad step. And they said, why can't you do it? And I said, because I, I can't do that, because I, I have a problem with vertigo and I, I can't climb. And they said, no, we, we'll take you. So I went with them 
and we came to the bad step and the bad step is a slab of of rock that the path finishes and then it, on the other side of the rock it starts again but in between there's rock going down into the sea which is near vertical and there's this crack across the rock and you negotiate it with these handholds and footholds and I went I can't do that and they said no no it's okay because I'm going to go in front of you one said and the other said I'll go behind you and we'll tell you how to do it and they did and I did it and it was incredible and I felt like it was a real achievement because it was scary. It was really scary for me and it was extraordinary. Um, and it was because they helped me. They helped me to do it. And they taught me something about climbing, which is three points of contact. You know, you only move one part of your body at a time. I mean, great climbers probably don't do that, but people like me, you know, idiot non-climbing people, three points of contact all the time. It was absolutely brilliant. It was just brilliant. It was brilliant. So that was great. And then another one was, it was midsummer, and I was there with Dan and we were in Staffin. And it was, it was, even though it was the dead of night, it was like dusk all the time. And it was magical. And I thought, I have to go out and walk in this. And there was nobody else around. And I walked and I walked down to the sea and I walked through the town. I thought it wasn't a town, through the hamlet. And, and it was magical, absolutely magical. And then my third is that we were there with my friends Carrie Acord, who paints landscape, and her partner, who's now her husband, and me and Dan. And we were walking. And in the bog, we saw a black snake, which was an adder that had mutated to be in the snake that it to be in the bog that colour. So that was amazing. You could tell from his head shape. So that was amazing. Those are and that was at the fairy pools. Those are three. I've got more, but those I'll start with those. I've just written down three points of contact as a metaphor for how we live going yeah. forward. It's amazing, Bob. Just extraordinary. Um, do you have anything you would like to plug? Albums, uh, recordings? I mean, look, if you don't know the work of, of Barb Younger, you, you need to discover it because she's an inspiration to me and I am totally fanboying out. I'm doing it again, aren't I? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so lovely. I mean, one of the things that I've loved is is getting to know you. And that's just, that's just, this is for me, that's the treat. This is such a treat for me, such a treat. Um, yeah, I do actually have some things, but this is going to surprise you. Nate Rogers, um, who looks after my, my a lot of my work and my social media and, and is such a sweetheart and helps me arrange my life and work, um, is a great singer, really great singer. So um, Simon Wallace and I have written a song for him and he's going to put it out as a single and it's called, <laughs> it's called Watching the Clouds, <laughs> not surprisingly. Um, so I'm going to plug that and I'm going to plug the Little Angel Theatre because I write for children's theatre, which I think you know. And I, I love the Little Angel and I love the Polka Theatre. And Little Angel and uh, um, and I are making a piece called The Smartest Giant, The Smartest Giant in Town. And that's going to come in May. Uh, and it's beautiful. And I've written all the songs and we've co-adapted it, Sam Lane and I, who's directing it. So I'm going to plug that. It's so indicative that you used your platform just then to promote another artist's work. I think that says an awful lot about you, Barb. And that's why I absolutely adore you. Thank you so much. That's so lovely of you. But you know what? What are we here for? 
Very good question. I've never been able to solve that conundrum. Oh no, we haven't done the outro. Crumbs. Christ on a bite, Linnets. Pull yourself together. All right, finally, to bring things full circle, do you think your secret love, which is the Isle of Skye, relates to your profession in some way? Yes, I do. Because sometimes when I'm walking, I sing. And I was at the fairy pools and I sang every grain of sand to the mountain. And that means I'm bound to the mountain forever. By the way, you're looking glowing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I've got, I'm using the Zoom thing. You know, the touch yourself up on Zoom. Oh, well, we don't call it that where I come from. What do you call it? If I touch myself up on Zoom, it's a different thing entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Mega love, mega love. Mega love. Magaloof. Magaloof, magaloof. Dusty's Hideaway. You've been listening to Dusty's Hideaway featuring me, Dusty Limits, and this time around my gorgeous guest, the fabulous Barbie Younger. If you like what you heard, please do check out our website links and other links in the description below. Written by Mark McInnes, produced by Mark McInnes, all rights reserved. <laughs>